Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the last race recap of the 2021 season, the Women's Ronde van Tronth. It's Women's World Tour race, 160Ks long from Arsen to Hogeveen. It has some cobbled sections in the first half of the race and then it goes towards the now iconic in my eyes there's the mvp <laughs> national champs win there's the healthy aging tour there the vanberg it's like an artificial mound i think in the netherlands uh, and it's 500 meters long 4.2 percent but it's like a steeper pinch in there and it's like uh cobbles they do four reps of that three of them in close succession from 128 to 143 k's into the race but the last one's 15 k's from the finish so we still have a flat sprint in terms of the teams here we have most of the world tour teams i don't i believe in the women's world tour rules you don't need to attend every world tour race uh like with the men's calendar but we just have fdj and uh, Movistar missing. The big names, obviously, Lorena Vibers, the fastest woman here. Uh, Demi Vollering for SD Works, as well as Chantal Vanderbrook Black, who just won a race, uh, as well as Shabby and Barnes, and newly minted British national champion, Fight for Georgie for DSM. But before we get into the recap, mention our show partner, LaCole, who also invests heavily in women's cycling in the Pro Peloton. They uh, support Drops LaCole, the Pro Conti team, or pro team who are aspirational to go to women's world tour level at some point in the near future they also supported joss loudon and made her our record attempt the official uci one that she broke in the last couple of weeks they made that possible so thanks to lacole for supporting the podcast and i just want to i guess at the end of the women's world tour season now give a big shout out to them to their continued commitment to women's cycling and the women's pro peloton but benji Coverage started relatively relatively early with like 80Ks plus to go. What was the state of play uh, when you tuned in? Well, I basically tuned in before the first Vanberg, which is the uh, lonely Vanberg because the last three of those, like you mentioned, were in the latter part of the race. So with around 55K to go was my turn in the books when I decided to join in. And I noticed that we had DSM setting something up to make a move on that Vanberg. They were trying to do something. And at a certain point, just before the Vanberg, we see that one of their riders decides to attack and the rest of the team decides to completely block the road for the rest of the peloton, like we uh, don't enjoy, because uh, we've talked about that behavior quite a few times on this channel. And this is kind of a, a next level one. Usually you have the one where they do it at the start of the stage to make sure the break gets away. This was purely at the bottom of the Vanberg with one rider riding away and blocking the rest. But hey, she was caught pretty soon because Shabby was about to uh, unleash her demons on that first Vanberg as well. Elisa Shabby, and eventually her attack was strong, but what are you going to do? Are you going to ride solo from 57 kilometers to go? That's unlikely to happen. So that attack was neutralized shortly after the climb has happened by just more than one attack, like a group went here or there, SD Works was always there with multiple riders, DSM was trying to be there with multiple riders, and if teams are there with multiple riders, then you're going to have other riders that are there but won't kick in and help, because like, why would they? There's riders with multiple teams. And next to that, like the teams themselves, like a DSM and an SD Works, their competitors were still there. So it was not like they should be pacing at this point to make something happen. But then a two-women group actually got away, and that was an interesting one. And we had Alice Bonds getting away with Georgie Pfeiffer, the newly minted uh, British champ. That group got away for quite a bit. And we had SD Works in the second uh, group 
basing for a bit, then not basing for a bit, then basing for a bit, then not basing for a bit. So what's your take on that? Should Z-Works have done anything different there? Uh, I mean, Demi Vollering seems to be, she isn't in the liege the course form, obviously, at this point in the season. doesn't seem to be that way. She was working. And I think they were giving uh, Lonica Unikin a chance. So, yeah, their, their plans seem to be for the big guns, these, not the veterans. I mean, Vollering's still young, but the bigger guns to give Unikin a chance. So, yeah, they were pacing. I guess if they don't do it, we've seen in the races so far, if there's a break and SD Works don't pace, then chance of that break succeeding is is pretty high and five for georgie she just won as i said british national champs on actually a similar course they have a, a hard cobbled climb at the end of that i'll be doing a video on that but the men and women's race later next week or middle of next week and yes yeah, so she's obviously carrying good form because she would have been looking and same with alice barnes that's a big target for them whereas maybe other riders it's it's not as important to be in their peak condition at this point of the season so yeah she, they were in fantastic form and i was even thinking oh is this going to be one where they're just they can keep dangling 15 to 20 seconds ahead but uh, as benji said if Chantal underbrook black is on the front she just won a race the other day you got to be pretty strong to stay away from her. She eventually brought them back, I think, before the last Vanberg yep. uh, with a pretty reduced peloton. Uh, we only The quickest woman in there was Lorena Vivas. But, yeah, who did you see? Sarah Roy had attacked but was isolated beforehand, the Australian national champion. Yeah, who do you see making a move early on that last Vanberg? Well, about uh, Sarah Roy was a really strong attack, actually. I was kind of surprised that she was that strong on the day. And we saw that... It was also DSM that was doing something, but initially my first viewing of that last Vanberg was following dropping off the back, just confirming what you said, the fact that she wasn't the strongest on the team there. And we had the likes of uh, a Shabby once again making that move on the last Vanberg. She had already gone on the one with 50k to go. So uh, once again, if she hadn't gone at that starting one, would she have had more energy to do it here? I don't know, but in the end, a very strong attack, but DSM was on it. Let's be real, like... A bunch of flies, four of them just jumped on her. They weren't as strong as each other because it seemed like one of them decided she wanted to go a bit further than getting too shabby again. It was uh, Florence Mackay who decided to hammer it completely towards the top of the Vanberg. And we had Elise Shabby trying to follow. She was in a bit of trouble, but it felt like she was able to follow. Elena Cicchini was there for SD Works trying to do the same. And then we had like two or three DSM riders a bit off the back of that three women group trying to hold on as much as they could. And Gasparini was there as well, 19-year-old at Valkar, has a decent sprint based on recent results in like the uh, Drense 8 or something, the race was called this week, where she got a top five, I think. So it was starting to become a pretty uh, isolated group with a lot of DSM riders. And we noticed just after the top of the climb that DSM was very notable there, but also some tactical play, right? Because at some point we had Makai and that three-women group, she was pacing, and we noticed that in the second group, DSM was pacing as well, and it took a while until they told Makai to sit up at the front because Weebus obviously was in the second group. So if Lorena Weebus is there, you've got the best sprinter in the world on your side, that's who you're going for. Especially as that's the last climb of the day. It's not like Weebus is going to get dropped again on a later climb if you get her into that group. And Makai in a group with Cicchini and Shabby, what do you got? A 33% chance? Is she not an overwhelming favorite there? I, it took a long time. You could see in the second group, actually, I think Francisca Koch 
uh, was on the radio just like telling Mackay to stop pulling because Mackay was pulling the strongest in that group of three ahead. Eventually, she sat up. You saw them on the radio and the group with three other DSM riders made their way back to them. So we had a group of seven, four DSM riders in there with Francisco Koch, Five for Georgie, who's just been in the break that's got caught, so incredible shape from her. Florty Mackay, who made the, the big split. Elise Shabby, who's been strong in early breaks for Canyon Shram this year and the Ardennes in particular. I'd like to see her be a bit more conservative and be treated a bit more like a leader next year, where she sort of was here. Gasparini, Cicchini, and of course, Lorena Vibas, who is like Kittle-level dominant in, the, <laughs> in a flat sprint in the women's pelton. Like She's ridiculous. Her strike rate in a flat sprint. And there's no one like Norsgaard or, or Voss or, or Balsamo, Balsamo here. Yeah, yeah. so she, overwhelming favourite. Koch goes straight on the front, starts relaying with uh, Pfeiffer Georgie and Florchi Mackay for a little bit to extend that gap to the peloton. And what's left of that peloton's will is broken pretty quickly because SD Works weren't facing, Valkar weren't facing, and neither were Canyon Shram. So there was no Bex no, and Park Hotel weren't really doing much either so we knew it was up to Vibas Benji and we can almost go straight well what did you see in the run-in because it wasn't just pulling I feel like Mackay and, and DSM were also playing with the other riders a little bit too I think so as well because like you said Koch was taking the first position in that group pacing the majority of the time if not all of the time leading towards the final kilometer we had Pfeiffer in second wheel Pfeiffer Georgie and she was just sitting there. But then we had two other riders from other teams. We had Cicchini and we also had Shabby. And the question there was going to be, when is the likes of uh, the lead out? So we have Makai and we was going to come to the fore and get into third wheel. And it wasn't instantly. It was only in the last kilometer, which means that anything beforehand, when, for example, Shabby or Cicchini decided not to take the wheel of Georgie Pfeiffer and uh, her compatriot at the front, well, the gap would open up and the two would have a bit of a gap. And, well, if you're the rider of DSM behind, if you're the likes of Mackay and Wibbers, you're like, okay, we've got two riders up front. You can close that. Like, I'm not going to do it. And then one of those other riders, I think it was Shabby first, decided to close it. Then Chikini realized, well, if I don't close it now, then they're fine with 2v1 most likely. But at a certain point, there was one moment where they doubted at DSM, where they did decide to close it when such a gap opened. Then eventually it all came together and it was only just a bit of a foreplay for the final sprint, really, because uh, we uh, saw we was in a good position. We saw that one thing, Gasparini was trying to get the wheel of Weebus, but then Cicchini moved back and took that spot from her. And I think we might have had a more tense sprint if Gasparini was in the wheel of Weebus and done otherwise. But did I just spoil the finish or not? <laughs> No, we, we saw Makai reserve herself. She eventually stopped relaying, went back to do the lead-out for, for Vivas. And, yeah, they kept making the other riders close the gap here or there, kind of like jabs in boxing to just to keep them on the defense and worrying about that rather than maybe someone trying a last-minute attack. And so it just, it just kept it all together. And, yeah, lead-out. And once we once we got into the last K, we knew this was a done deal. It was Mackay doing a good lead-out for Vibas, who had Gasparini on, and Cicchini on the wheel, and she just absolutely destroyed them by, I think, over three bike lengths. <laughs> uh, she just opened it up, didn't even care that they were there. So that's just as they drew it up. Uh, her 13th win for the year, Lorena Vibas. She's on a long-term deal at DSM. They'll be happy about that because next year – Obviously, the Tour de France firm opens up with a short sprint stage. So the first ever yellow jersey is on offer then. She will yep. be the favorite most likely to take that jersey. So 
whatever they're paying her, she's now a lot more valuable as a rider, I think, next year as the dominant sprinter in women's cycling. So she started off a bit slow this year, uh, but then she got going at Shell the Price and then every sort of stage race she did, she'd pick up she'd pick up a stage just about except for Simac uh, Ladies Tour. But the, the final top 10 for this race, the Ronda Van Drenth, last race recap of the season, five DSM in the in the top eight, Vibas, Cicchini, Gasparini, Shabby, Mackay, Pfeiffer, Georgie, Francisca Koch, then gap to the next group with Suzanne Anderson, the Norwegian, on DSM, winning that reduced punch kick ahead of Chiara Consoni and Nina Kessler. I thought Charlotte Cool would be would have been up there. She's one to watch as well, the Netherlander on NXTG. She's going to DSM next year, actually, so yeah. they've got an embarrassment of riches there. But yeah, Are you surprised you- that Wibbers gets over the Van Berg four times and is in the seven-women group while Vollering is not there? Or is that purely form-related? I'm surprised that, like, I guess Roy had just attacked because I mm-hmm. always think Roy's a little bit of a better climber, I thought, than uh, Lorena Vibas. But it goes to show that she can do the punchy climbs, um, Lorena Vibas, or just a short, big effort like that rather than a longer one. I mean, yeah, it's a hard circuit. Who I'm looking down, who else might have made it? I mean, Chantal Von Black would have if she wasn't working as a domestique. Um, Femke Marcus, Chloe Hosking, I think finished a fair way back. I don't know. I am I am surprised, to be honest. I was surprised to see her there. I would have Same. actually picked Susanna Anderson. Uh, same. I, I didn't expect her to be there. But on the other end, we've seen her do well at the likes of Kendwegelhem. And we are expecting her to be able to do well at those kind of races in the future. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me if she wins uh, Kendwegelhem at some point in the next couple of years again. So... I am uh, very much looking forward to see what Webbers becomes because we're talking about a young sprinter still and like she's got plenty of years to come where she can bolster her sprint and figure out how to get better on other disciplines and make sure she can perhaps vary in the types of race she wins because it's great winning sprints but if you can win other races as well that could end in a sprint or a reduced bunch sprint then you're even stronger when it comes to a rider and she's definitely becoming that already and DSM is focusing almost completely when it comes to uh, Wibbers because, yeah, she's dominant. She's the best sprinter in the world. You mentioned it quite a few times enough. So I would uh, I would keep doing that if I was DSM. <laughs> yeah, and we – I think DSM, did they have a slow start to the season? I mean, looking at their – I think we even talked about it uh, at some point, maybe in a mid-year wrap-up. We were like, overall, I feel like their squad underperformed. Like, in terms of non-national champs wins – uh, Lorena Vibas has 13 of their 17 wins this year and she has all of their world tour, three world tour wins. And, yeah, I guess it, Giro, Giro Rosa's pro, dot pro now, uh, Corin Lebecki, former the thing is, Vera, won there. They could, have, they could have gotten two more world tour wins if they were able to catch the break on those two days that in we Norway. mentioned in. Was it Seratizid or was it Simona Rice? Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, correct. Um, Susanna Anderson there, yeah, winning the reduced punch kick and Rivera, I think, at the time also yeah. missed out. And correct. wasn't there another race where Rivera didn't mark Marlon Royster and then won the won the sprint easily behind or was going I to win? I think she's out to the stage. Yeah. So I think, yeah, a good – it just goes to show kind of like Lotto Sudal that you can ordinarily get a lot of wins. If you have the a top, top sprinter, it can sometimes mask maybe not – 
not performing well, but they seem to have really picked up kind of like the men's team in the second half of the year who came out flying in Burgos and then the Vuelta Espana with Stora and Bardet. So I don't know, maybe they maybe that they they all peaked at the same time. I'm not sure, but yeah. I think it was a pretty good race, Ronda van Drenth. There's the men's race tomorrow, but it's not World Tour, so we won't be covering it. I'm not even sure if it's televised. I think Gronewegen and a couple of other sprinters are doing it. But yeah, otherwise, any last thoughts on the on the women's World Tour season, Benji? Uh, not really. I'm looking forward to the next one. I do want to give a quick shout out to Paul James, one of the uh, LRCP uh, people, our community members. He uh, decided to tell me on Twitter at the start of previous season that he would get a tattoo if Cavendish would get a victory. And Cavendish got a bit too many victories, so he uh, got a massive Cavendish tattoo on his leg, and he actually just met Cavendish because of that, uh, as a consequence of doing that. So it's great to see uh, his dream come true in that aspect. So congratulations and enjoy the bloody tattoo, mate. It's uh, it's pretty high resolution, actually. It's pretty yeah. It's pretty actually good. great work. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. We, I can't remember which stage that is from. He's in the green jersey, so it must have been the third or fourth win. I, I don't know, but yeah, pretty. The Cavendish fandom is real. Maybe that was part of the negotiations with Cavendish going back to Quick Step. Cav could be like, look, people are getting tats of me. Like, you got to resign me, Lefebvre. And maybe that's what got over the line. Who knows? It's not official yet. I don't think that he's resigned. But we've got a lot more content coming up in the off season. We obviously have our like top X of the season, top domestic, top sprinter top time trialers you know all that jazz will have the awards i think that might be part of the awards show we've got the team previews for 2022 they start in less than six weeks they start on the start of december because we ran out of time last year we're not making that same mistake again so big previews will be dropping in december so we got a jam-packed schedule actually which um kind of terrifies me because i thought i'd have a little bit of a rest and it's been it's been chaos the last week and a half. But uh, anyway, I'm not complaining. It's good to stay busy, and I can't wait to keep pumping out more content like that. We might even try and get – comment down below. Which rider from the Women's Pro Peloton do you, would you like to hear an interview with in the off-season? Because we've got time. We can make it happen you know, in advance. We've already interviewed Ludwig. She's great. but So obviously I'm not going to – if she wants to come on again. Of course, but what other riders would you like to hear us talk to or, or staff members in the Women's Pro Peloton, uh, people that might be interesting that we don't know about? But otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the support. We'll see you shortly. Ciao. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.